clubhouse. Our grandfathers camped right here. Slept on the ground. Hunted this valley. For 10,000 years. Then John Dutton's grandfather built a house on it. Called it theirs. Maybe we'll sleep here again someday. What are they doing? I think they call that covenant in the Bible. What are you up to? Didn't finish what they started with you, honey. This is Sheila, and welcome to Pod Clubhouse's coverage of Yellowstone Season 2. This is Episode 8, titled Behind Us Only Gray. This is the aftermath of the Bex damage on Beth. Behind Us Only Gray just sounds so ominous. I was thinking about that title, and I mean, everybody involved in this has a has a pretty good reason to feel sort of gray or blue gloomy. about this. Yeah, kind of gloomy. It's not looking great. No, it's not looking great. And so, in thinking about the title too, like, is it the fact that they now have a plan, and that, like that's maybe the silver lining, and then like that they're putting the past behind them? I'm I'm hypothesizing here, but like that's where I kind of came from. I, I don't feel like anyone's in a good place right now. I mean, obviously not Beth, right? And not Rip. But all the characters we're about to go through, nobody's having a good moment here. And I feel like they're in like an emotional sort of valley. Yeah. I mean, I wrote that. It, it just feels very sad. Very dark. So um, I don't know if the behind is only gray or just like it's gray. Yeah. <laughs> it would be more appropriate. So um, <laughs> Uh, This was like a struggle to get through in some ways because, you know, I blame Yellowstone for all of this because when they give me a dialogue episode, I'm I'm not good with it. Like I need things blowing up. I need things falling off cliffs. I need, you know, rivers being moved. I could do with less Beth being beaten up. You know, definitely like some pivotal plot lines are being sewed here for the season finale, which is, you know, two episodes away. So I just feel like this is a really important episode to set up all of the events and get the characters in play yeah. for that activity. There's there's a lot to unpack because, like I said, it was so dialogue-y. Dialogue-y. That, that's my, that's a that's very my, technical term it's, there. It's an industry term. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, a lot of setup, I think, for future episodes, but not a whole lot of change like in our characters today. I don't know. I got a lot out of it. I think it was meaningful in terms of Monica. She gave me some feelings. And then John, like having this conversation with Rip. So I think there's a lot to unpack here. I agree. Our biggest issue, I guess, maybe not issue, but is Beth. I mean, she is in bad shape. She looks terrible. 
She looks like she needs to be still in the hospital. I don't think she went to the hospital. No, I don't think so either. I don't think Rip went to the hospital either. I don't think that... I mean, they saw the doctor in his office or in Beth's office, but they did not go to the hospital. That's for sure. Even uh, Rip mentioned he was on like betamine or something. I looked it up. It's like a a horse horse tranquilizer. (laughs) Well, it said anti-inflammatory, so I didn't even get the impression that it was actually pain medicine either. Like it's going to help or whatever. But then I got to thinking like, doesn't he really need some pretty strong antibiotics at this point? I I think that, you know, he's got internal wounds, (laughs) bullet holes. There's a lot to be recovering from. And he's just like chilling in Beth's bed. So (laughs) not looking too hot. I still wouldn't kick him out of bed. No. I thought it was hilarious what he said to John. He goes, if I have any more bite of me, I'm going to (laughs) winnie. But in terms of Beth, like, like, again, you know, they definitely should have been evaluated in a hospital. I mean, Rip was shot uh, multiple times, right? At least at least twice. At least. Uh, in in the gut, which is never a good spot to get. No. Um, I mean, it's not really good to get shot anywhere. But uh, <laughs> if, I, if I had my pick, I'd say the gut would probably be some of the worst places. Besides like yeah, the lungs, yeah. the heart, the head. You know. But there's also, you know, Beth looking like... Huh. I mean... She looks like meatloaf. Yeah. Like not the singer, but like actual meatloaf. <laughs> Well, I had to clarify because some people would be like, wait, what? That's true. So I, I noticed this is, this is such a problem with me and I can't help it. When she was in the bathroom cleaning out her, her, her yeah, whatever, mm-hmm. um, yep. having her little moment there in the bathroom. And but when she came down to breakfast, the makeup was different. Like the what they had done to Kelly Riley was very different. I felt that way through the episode, though. Yeah, and it's very stark from the time that she's in the bathroom to when she comes down to breakfast because her eyes, the eye that's open was black underneath when she came down. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. and then the other eye was swollen shut. And then, but when she's in the bathroom, it's a lot more pink. It's not the lighting because you don't go from, you know, not black to black in 10 minutes. Yeah, I did kind of notice that, but I thought it was maybe lighting because this, especially when she's in the scenes... Where she's like in bed with Rip. One eye didn't look as black as it used to. And then when she's outside, it looks different. So right. um, I just was like, well, maybe it's just lighting. But if you noticed it and it was big enough difference, then maybe I kept, I kept rewinding it going back. Issues. Like going back to where it was. I'm like, no, nah, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> they must have like shot different scenes on different days and forgot how, how black she was supposed to be. Right. I felt bad for Gator. I really felt bad for Gator. Uh, she makes him, she asks him to make a smoothie because she's like looking at the food. She's like, yeah, that is not happening. Chewing is not happening today. I mean, it's like she has a broken jaw. She could have a broken jaw. How she doesn't is beyond me because she was pistol whipped. As beat up as she is in her face and what we saw them do to her, like she would have internal injuries, I would think. Yeah. And so you would have imagined that she needed surgeries, but where it's sort of implied that she didn't. So, I mean, if she's not currently bleeding internally, (laughs) she's walking like she is. Yeah, she can't walk. I mean, she's like limping. She can't eat, that's for sure. No, definitely not. But I felt bad. Like, he brought her this, you know, vodka lace smoothie, which is good for her. 
vodka for breakfast is, you know, breakfast of champions. You know, she's like picking out the orange and the cherries. I know she couldn't eat it, but I mean, still, like, the, the man just made your smoothie. You could at least wait until he walks away till you toss it in the bushes. Yeah. I don't feel like they ever eat any of the food he cooks. <laughs> Can I tell you, I just saw that last night as a, um, as a, a post on the Facebook group. And this one was just like, does anyone else feel bad for Gator? Like he cooks all this wonderful food, and like nobody eats it. And Maybe then, Tate eats it. Tate, and I'd say the bunkhouse guys are very appreciative because Tater, uh, Gator, um, Tater. <laughs> Please sing out Tater. I didn't mean to say it was like cross between Teeter, Tater, Teeter, Gator, and Tate. All right. <laughs> But Gator also cooks for the bunkhouse guys, so I'm sure that they're pretty appreciative, and they, I'm sure they cleaned their plates. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course. Nobody in the main house does. No, no. They get four or five bites in max. Yeah. So one another thing I noticed about Beth, though, is that she seems very quiet in this episode. She's not saying a whole lot. What confused me was when John tried to talk to her, and she just turned and walked away. He was mentioning Rip at the moment and Beth had been watching Rip I think with Tate but like she's very quiet and pensive either she's just in pain or I don't, it's like something else though something else is there sadness or anger I'm sure anger but I definitely noticed that especially when she was watching Rip with Tate so Tate got his his horse right I mean is yeah. there anything freaking cuter than a kid and like their new pet I know that's a beautiful horse. Yeah. Rip is so tender with Tate in this corral, right? He's like zipping yeah. up his coat. He goes, I'll zipper that up. It's getting cold out here. Beth is watching them and her one good eye <laughs> looks like it is it's tearing up. I feel really bad for her. In fairness, like she had a brush with death. Hmm. She, I, I feel like she was minutes away. If Rip didn't come. Yeah. In that moment, like that would not have ended, you know, the way that it did. So, yeah, I, I mean, it would make sense that she is a little thoughtful, a little quiet, a little reflective, which is something that I haven't really seen from her. Yeah. Yeah. So John's attempted a conversation. She just wasn't having it because I just don't think that she's ready to answer any questions. I don't think that she's done processing what happened to her because, I mean, That's true. from the timeline, this was last night. Technically, what happened? Well, I couldn't decide if it was one or two nights or maybe two to three, because the only reason I say that I agree, it feels like last night, but because Rip said I've been laying in this bed for a couple of days. Or oh, I'm, see, now I got confused with, okay, that is a good point. I did notice that, but it so, also, either way, it's like, it's, it's not really been, close, right? Exactly. Because Monica he sees Beth come down to the breakfast table and she kind of like looks at Casey and was like, huh, wolves, right? You know, like that's the look that she's given him. So that's what made me think that it was like last night or maybe Beth just hasn't been down to breakfast, which that's, is the other yeah. thing, which is more actually, I think you're right. I think that's more plausible that she just hasn't been able to get out of bed herself. Right. So, uh, okay. But I agree. I, it's within a day or two or a couple of days. It didn't feel very long, but at one point I thought it was last night. And then at one point I thought maybe it was a couple of days later, but either way, she's been quiet. <laughs> but like you said, maybe just processing or healing or just, that's a lot. Like when you experience trauma too, you just replay the whole thing in your head over and over again too. Right. And then the what ifs come in, like what if he didn't yeah. get there in time, you know? Um, yeah. 
you can't help but be in this state. So I think the fact that she is this way and is very sort of different from the Beth that we've seen all along is is, is real. Like it's a good thing that they they did this with her. But then she sees Jamie, right? And Which... then there's. <sighs> I can't say I feel bad for Jamie. I, I I don't. Why? I don't know because I feel like he's. Now, finally being forced to take accountability for what he's done, and he doesn't like it. I feel like this is this is the only time in his life where he's been held like his feet to the fire for mm-hmm. things that he's done. So I don't necessarily feel bad for him. When he's having the conversation, and we'll talk about it, like he was having the conversation later with Casey, I do feel bad for him because he, he does express remorse for the first time. Like when he's in the stall and mucking it out and she finds him, like I really don't feel bad for him. <laughs> Okay, but why? Because what does Jamie have to do with any of that? Like, well, okay, so that's the part where I'm, I'm confused about, right? So she finds him, and I mean, she is just deliciously enjoying the fact that he is shoveling shit. Yeah. Right? And But I mean, she walks in, Steph, and she's angry, like out of nowhere. Yes. And she's just so mean and so bitter towards him. And I mean, what she says to him, too, is like, you're going to love something someday and like something will love him, which she's already implying that nobody's going to love him and you're going to love it back. And I can't wait to take that from you. And even if I have to kill it. That is so hard. With my bare hands. (laughs) What? So I, I wrote up this season for pop culture review. Um, Uh So I went back to the recap that I did for this episode. And from my notes, I'm just going to read a little quick little excerpt. Now knowing what we we know from other episodes, I I said absolutely 100% something happened between Beth and Jamie. I have nothing the basis on other than the level of anger Beth has brought to the conversation in the stall now and everything else we've seen in the level of contempt that she has for him to this point. And then like the the scene in the corral with Rip really kind of sealed the deal for me. Um, I'm like, did Jamie molest her or something when they were younger? Does she not want kids and sees how good Rip a father would be and feels guilty for it? Or did something happen to her in the past that either makes it impossible for her to have kids? So I said, but something is definitely up. So I wrote that in August of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> it's there on popculturereview.com. It's in black and white. So yeah, I, that's that was my hypothesis because like she came in like literally out of left field and was just so angry towards him. Right. What do you think? Based on this episode and what we're watching, it seems completely just out of left field, unwarranted on her part to just lay into Jamie. And so that's why I'm saying I kind of feel bad for the guy. Like, I mean, but I've sort of felt bad for Jamie all along in in certain ways. So uh, I just, she's so hateful and he's just standing there letting her say whatever she wants to say and and why is he just you know letting her vent and he knows like okay just whatever i'll take it or is is he knows that she's right like i don't know the fact that he's standing there taking it and not even saying a word makes me wonder he usually just stands there and lets her vent and say all these horrible things to him and he just watches her walk away so i mean maybe you're right i haven't like thought to hypothesize on what's going on other than there is something like, but we've said that with John, like John's so hateful towards him. Like Casey's the only one who's just not straight up hateful to Jamie. So 
but th- that also but that also makes sense like Casey is also the most emotionally sort of I mean this is hard to say with a straight face he's the mostly <laughs> most emotionally normal out of yeah. the rest like who's left right I mean we didn't see enough of Lee to know anything really about him he comes across to me as the one who just wants to like keep the peace yeah like he's not confrontational like Beth is he's not argumentative like Jamie is and he's not as a like as emotionally closed off as John feels to me. Right. So he's, he's, he shows Monica a lot of love and affection. He shows Tate a ton of affection and love. So the fact that like this moment between Casey and, and Jamie in the beginning of the episode was really like a portrayal to me of like who Casey is. And he's just like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to say that I forgive you or I accept it. Like you're my brother. I just accept all of it. That's what I took from that. Exactly. And too, like think about if Casey's, the youngest and Jamie is he's not the oldest but older it could be like uh, me and my sister where I was off to college by the time she was like 10 or 9 or something so yeah by the time she was like 8 or 9 so when we talk about yeah when we talk about our relationship now she's like well I just didn't grow up with you like when I was and when she was in her teenage years I was married we have a very different relationship than our other sister because she's right in the middle of us so it's like we didn't have that childhood either bonding and or fighting you know strife conflict so we have a very friendly relationship just because we're so far apart so but i think it's more like you were saying of casey's character but it could also just be part of they don't have any conflict between them from the past or anything Right. Yeah, because I get the feeling that there's a, a bit of an age gap. So I so Jamie's older than Beth. So then Yeah. And then Casey was quite young compared to Beth when yes. like when their mom died, right? So like just looking at the, the two kids from that time. So yeah, so there there just probably isn't that shared <laughs> Yeah. Childhood conflict. Childhood like. trauma. Yeah. <laughs> of like inflicting pain on each other. Right. Um yeah, so, but I just thought that was a really good scene. And this is where, like, I, I, I'm like, I really don't feel bad for Jamie, but like the fact that he is being held accountable for it and Casey's the one doing it, I also feel is like probably the best thing for Jamie. Yeah. If it was anybody else, they would be relishing in yeah. him being the low man on the totem pole to use Casey's words. Even the, Rip would be. Yeah, I feel like yeah, it in. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, again, I think Rip is as bad a dude as he is. Like he's still, I think at his core, he's, he's golden. Like he's, you know, he's got this really gruff, tough exterior and just, just from what we learned about him with the headstones, with his family has really like colored his character for me and what he did with Beth. Right. Yeah. And the way he's with Tate and the way, I mean, and the loyalty he has for John. So there's, there's a lot of good in him that we don't get to see often. And this, this season has done such a remarkable job and really highlighting rip in these moments where you get to see who he really is. Because in season one, if you just watch season one, you'd be like, rip is just a badass, Right. And now it's like, you see that he's more complicated. He's like an onion, like I bring everything back to Shrek. He's like an (laughs) onion. Onions have layers. You feel like, layers right it gets more complicated (laughs) oh my gosh it's true i can't ever take anything seriously (laughs) and that's what i love about you oh thank you Mm -hmm. you put up with my shenanigans always 
So on the flip side of that, I have a question. So when Jamie later on is woken up in the middle of the night and it's like, now we need you as a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Where did he think he was going? Man was afraid. (laughs) I even had the slight thought in my head. Is he going to the train station? Thank you. And I think he thought if Jamie doesn't know about the train station, surely he does because he's the lawyer, but. Maybe that was he either thought, am I going to the train station or am I just not coming home tonight? Like, what are they going to do with me? So I think he definitely was questioning what was about to happen to him. <laughs> so that was pretty funny, though. When John was like, what do you think I needed you for? He's <laughs> like, well, I thought you were going to kill me, Dad. I don't think Jamie knows about the train station. Why wouldn't he? Th- so, uh, okay. He's got to be involved in a bunch of cover-ups and twisting the rules and i mean surely not the first episode of season one where he's putting the car bosh on a apartment complex that's not the first thing he's had to do for the ranch agreed i just don't think he knows about it for one i think it'd be plausible deniability for him like on like the lawyer Uh, front true um i mean how many times have we said the words john and his dysfunctional family i don't think that he would have ever shared that information with jamie Casey's a different story because Casey's just a different animal. And then even Rip said to to Casey, like, you don't know where the train station is. Yeah. Right? So there's this, like, I don't know, feel like subterfuge with the with the train station and who knows about it. So I don't think Jamie knows about it, but I think he I think he knows enough to know that the Yellowstone folks know how to get rid of people. Right. But uh I yeah, it was just his face. I was reading like Wes Bentley played this this so perfectly because he literally conveyed like this. I could feel the sweat coming yes. off of, like his brow. <laughs> and then he sees Casey in the front seat and he's just like, oh, God, he's like, what? Has like, happened? You, you just told me a minute ago you forgave me. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, I definitely thought he was maybe heading to the train station, but it was the look on his face that made you think that, though. Right. For sure. And then John, you know, being like, where'd you think I was taking you? Like, it was just, it was very well played. Yes. Right. So the guard is killed at the, it's at the development site, right? The reserve, now now what what has been annexed into reservation land. So the rationale then for killing the guard on on the reservation would be what? I don't know. The only thing I can think of is that it would halt any progress on construction, on materials being delivered, um, because now there'll be a crime investigation. And from what I saw, there's all this jurisdictional uh, quarreling that's going on. So I feel like they're going to have to like hash out who's running the investigation. I already feel like you've added three weeks onto the investigation. Um, Then the investigation itself, I feel like you've added another two weeks, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I feel like that's the only thing that I could think of that would be the purpose of of that yeah i agree and that's really what donnie told john i mean obviously we think it's the bex but that guy's voice did kind of sound like ryan did you did you hear it what the guy because the guy in whoever was in the suv pulled up to the guard to ask for directions and it kind of sounded like ryan i was trying to figure that out and i was like it couldn't be no i don't think it was but it sounded like him but just saying just saying you know, then that makes what Donnie said to John make it even more, mm-hmm. I don't know, a, a little more, a little worse in my mind. Because Donnie keeps saying, like, it looks like you. And John's yeah. like, you know, it's not me. 
but then like if there was an eyewitness i mean it's a a a brown-haired bearded dude in a pickup truck in a black pickup truck like that could be ten thousand people in montana yeah (laughs) right but a black pickup truck in the dead of night maybe had a glint of gold on the pickup truck is there not any um security camera at the guard station like surely there's some sort of fuzzy yeah but like, like you said, like if they're going to pick up, you know, what a dude looks like, a, a brown haired, bearded white yeah. guy, right? That could be Rip. That could be Ryan. That could, yeah. right? Exactly. It could be a number of people already. But yeah, so there's this question, though, you know, that uh, about Donnie. That I'm like, I'm just laughing because it's like, he's like the last to know what's going on in the county. Donnie's warning him that, you know, the Becks are going to take a swing at him. And John's like, oh, yeah, that already happened. And, you know, Donnie kind of warns that, like, they're like a one-two punch kind of kind of group. Well, he even said, he even said they're going to come after him, too. Right. If, yeah. So. Because now the job wasn't done. Right. Yeah. With Beth. Yeah, and just how ominous it is. Like, nothing would please me more for them to, like, come onto my ranch. I'll even leave the gate open. <laughs> I'm like, don't do that, friend. Don't, don't invite, <laughs> don't invite evil into your home. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Right. Wait, I don't know. John doesn't have a huge army, but he seems to have a powerful one. Well, you know, he, he's made CNN a couple of times with, yeah. the, <laughs> with the cattle battle and, and things like that. Exactly. We touched a little bit on this before, um, just to kind of stop short from where we just were. With like Casey and Monica, so like the dynamic of them being back in the house together or being in the house together and back together, right? Mm-hmm. The thing with Beth that happened and, you know, Casey told Monica that it was wolves down by the barn they had to deal with. And, and John's, you know, saying to him the last episode, like, you got a lot to learn about women. When Monica looks at Beth coming down to the breakfast table and like, and so now I agree with you. I think the timeline, this has been a couple of days. I don't think Beth has just been physically able to get mm-hmm. out of bed. And so this is the first time Monica sees her. What do you think that Monica is supposed to glean now from Beth saying this happened, right? Because of the, like this. So fast forward into the conversation that they have on the porch together. This is from the family business. Casey told her this was wolves down by the barn Mm -hmm. and that's why he was gone. Like, how is she going to trust Casey going forward? Right. I mean, I, I think if I were Monica, I'd be even more upset. Like she seems calm about it, but you can tell she is definitely, you know, like she said, worried, concerned. As she should be. Like, this was exactly what she was saying. Like, I don't feel safe being around your family. Like, if this is what's going on, like, we shouldn't be there. Then she agrees to come back and, you know, within however long, a day, a week, whatever, uh, Beth can barely eat. I mean, this is exactly the reason Beth, I mean, Monica doesn't want to be there. And I'd be packing my bags, too. I'd be wanting to leave. I mean... And especially for Beth to say, like, this isn't even my boyfriend. This is somebody wanting to take the ranch. And this is a huge red flag. Like, I need to go. Right. But now she's, like, made a decision. Is she going to go back on it? Does she stick with it? Like, what would you do in this situation? I'd be running for the hills. As she did before, it's like self-preservation for Tate. Like, it's her job and Casey's job to keep him safe. And Casey should be telling them to leave. He should be saying, like, okay, I don't know what's going on. Something's, you know, as soon as she saw Beth, she knew. Like, this right. is Casey's 
dumb to have not just told her the truth. Yeah, he should be saying, okay, let's let's put you up in a hotel next to your university for a few weeks till whatever this is gets resolved. I mean, you can just see her wheels turning this whole episode of trying to take it all in, trying to understand who's what's happening and who's involved. And for and then for Beth to tell her this is just business. Like if that's just business, like the only like the worst thing I've had to deal with in business has been like, you know, like nasty emails. And right. you know, I've been maybe. sued. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. Yeah. That's so fun. So, it's like, I mean, yeah, business problems don't end up with me in the hospital. So, yeah, or what whatever whatever she should have done. She should have been in the hospital. Right. And I and I can see why she's quiet and also quiet with Casey, you know. Yeah, well, she I think you and, you said it. Like, you know, she's processing what happened and the fact that he lied to her again. Yeah. And this is what she asked him not to do. Right. Also, there's like this other layer that Beth tells Monica, like, don't judge us for the way that we're protecting what we're giving you. Like, that was like a bitch slap to me. Yeah. It's like, don't ask too many questions. Like, you stand to gain from my pain, literally. And, you know, not to judge us. But that's an unfair... It is unfair because I don't know what you're asking me to pay to be to gain that. Right. Like, what's my price of admission here? Right. Like, that happened to you. What's going to happen to me or my kid or my husband? Right. Exactly. So I don't think she's judging at all. I think she's trying to, like she said, just trying to understand. Oh, no, no, no. I, like what I was taking what Beth said, you know, for like basically to shut Monica down, mm-hmm. like was just, you can't help. I mean, you're sitting in front of someone who has beaten into like inches of her life. Yeah. And not past judgment and i mean this is one of the first conversations i feel that they've had because like yeah. there's this moment between them is like you know we don't know each other very well and beth says no no we don't know each other at all you know it's it's like it's unfair of beth i mean and get, given what's happened to her you know you might give her a free pass whatever but it's also unfair of her to to put monica in that position to be like don't you know don't judge us from what you stand to gain right i just i didn't like that but i guess that was like beth's defense mechanism for for what was going on and it's just a way to shut down the conversation because i don't think that monica was definitely in a fight move no given what's been going on i'm happy in a way that they gave monica the field trip because Mm -hmm. she has been so quiet and she's only asked very small you know little snippets of a conversation here and there that the fact that they gave her the field trip to give her sort of like an emotional outlet for like what she's feeling yeah. Because if they didn't do that, she was on the borderline of becoming like a little too one dimensional. I mean, I mean, I go back to the Facebook group sometimes and everyone's like, Monica's just always so glum. <laughs> the woman is dealing with a whole lot of stuff and a whole lot of stuff that like we haven't even we haven't even ever really dealt with. I'm going to say, I'm going right. to go on a limb and say, you know, she's got a lot of big issues that she's working out. She's working out her marriage. She's working out her identity. Right based on where she lives, right? So when she was on the reservation, she really didn't have this identity crisis. Now that she's living on the ranch, she's definitely having like this pull between her. And she gave up her reservation teaching job and now she's teaching at a university to white privileged kids, right? Which is why she brings them on this field trip. So the fact that this is all happening and she's given this, she's given this outlet to finally like express herself, even though she says nothing, she just cries listening to music. I feel was very, very important for her character i agree i mean we've always seen her sort of yeah pulled back and forth between these two worlds 
it's like she tried to to leave, you know, she tried to be done with Casey and then came back. And then here we are again, her like main concerns are being brought up to her again. Like, I don't know if it's safe here. Yeah. At first I was like, wasn't sure why she was crying at the concert, but then I went back and listened to what the rapper was talking about too. And he was talking about that same thing of like, we're being divided. We're being about to go into a war like who's going to be with me he said who's going to ride with me and then he said if you're proud to be who you are like so I mean I think like you said she's just struggling between right he was talking about identity divided kin having solidarity I just feel like Monica doesn't really have anybody yeah like she can go to Papa Felix um but her sister's gone. Her brother, you know, her brother's gone. She's not on the reservation. I don't feel like she's can really go to Casey about all of these concerns yet. Well, he's lying to her actively. Right. He's actively lying to her at the moment. And she's still trying to just sort all this out. And it's, it's, I mean, you would be lonely and sad and depressed and right. And then pile on the other stuff of like her identity and where she's living and what she's doing. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that they gave her this this um, this field trip to to hear some music and expose her students to it was a way for us as the audience to kind of understand what she's trying to process, because it is important to go back and listen to those lyrics. And we're going to put that mm-hmm. up on the Spotify playlist that we have Yellowstone Tunes by Pod Clubhouse. So you can definitely check out that song, because uh, first of all, it is catchy as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was definitely humming it in my head for a couple of days after watching this episode again. But the music was really a powerful way to show all the conflicts that she's going through. And if they right. didn't and if they didn't do it, then then I could buy into like where some of the criticism of her is coming from. But, she, you know, they, they let her go for a couple of episodes and then they'll give you something to yeah. to really kind of understand where her frame of mind is. But you got to pay attention. That's the other thing you have to. They're not going to spell it out for you. That's what's so great about this show is that it is subtle, too. Like you do have to pay mm-hmm. attention. Well, that's what I love about Monica. She It's like she thinks a lot before she speaks. So what she says is really important. I definitely agree with that. And I'm glad that when, you know, Casey's like pouting, like, you can't leave and not talk to me. And she's like, okay, fine. Tell me what happened to your sister. Like, <laughs> if you're going to ask me to be honest, then you better be honest. Right. She was right to do that. I mean, if he's trying to get her back and promising her that he's going to take care of her, you got to be honest. But she's also, you know, uprooted and she's in this very strange house. And I feel like Casey's just like home. Like, and yeah, he doesn't I mean, think that's... about the fact that this is weird for her. So she's had like these, you know, when they're in the bathtub and she's like, you mm-hmm. know, like some of my family doesn't live in a room even this big, let alone a whole yeah. house. You know, she comes out to the corral and that's when she has like the conversation with John a little bit later. Um, she's like, everybody disappeared. It's hard to know who leaves when they're you're in the house. Yes. So, yeah. So she's also having like a bit of culture shock in living on the land that is, you know, being disputed by her tribe. So that's, you know, that's another layer to this as well about her identity and where she's, you know, where she's at. But tell me what you thought about this conversation with her and John. (laughs) I'm like, it's just as painful as it was in season one for these two to be talking. Yes. You know, he's talking to her about like the being a fight to keep the ranch. And she says, if every day is a fight, literally a fight, I don't want my family to be a part of it. Right. So what did you think about what John's answer was to her about, you know, well, this just happens in the city, just looks different. Uh, I think he's right in a way, but 
I mean, the stakes are very different. They're not coming out to the Yellowstone to steal her purse. Right. And if my purse gets stolen, my face I'll doesn't okay. my yeah. face doesn't look like Beth's. Right. Right. If somebody breaks into my car, I don't have two gunshot wounds in my gut like Rip. Exactly. So I think it's a little bit unfair of John to say like, oh, it's just the same thing. But because it's not. I mean, he's right that people are always just trying to take what's yours. But the scale is very different. And I mean, she's right to be wanting to protect her kid. Like, that's all she cares about, you know. And I think John is trying to explain to her in a way that he's trying to do the same thing. Yeah. But it's just the ranch is what, you know, represents all of them. It's just it's a hard sell to get someone to understand that when they haven't lived it. Right. So she's kind of new to this. She obviously doesn't like what she sees so far. But at the same time, he's also trying to downplay how serious it is. I mean, so far in what we've seen since season one, season two, this is by far the worst that we've seen. Right. So, I mean, like the stakes have been escalated. He's also trying. I feel like he's just trying to downplay it so that she doesn't leave Casey again. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he's like that in that conversation with Monica, he's doing his best to protect Casey as well. Because if she leaves again, Casey might leave, too. Well, I think that would destroy Casey. Well, I meant he might go with her. Well, yeah, yeah. if she lets him. Yeah. If he keeps lying to her, that's not happening. Which is what he says. He's like, OK, let's get an apartment. I mean, right. I like that they want to fill the house with a house full of babies. I know that that's so that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know how how long-term Monica is going to be if things don't change. It's uh, it's it's definitely wearing on her in a way that, like, being at the ranch now is, I think it's, like, you know, eroding her her will to, to make any of this work. Yeah. Well, it's so unknown. Like, you just, it seems like every day you wake up and... Something else is broken. Someone could be shot or someone could be no. beat up or your cows could be dead or... I mean, you know, a it's pretty son- risky going to sleep there. Right. A son was killed. Right. Yeah. Her brother was killed. Right. As as part of all this, this sphere of influence. Right. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. And I just like I just keep coming back to like Monica's defense is that she's not intentionally being down or glum. And glum is the word that was used in one of the groups. And I was like, oh, my God, like that's that's unfair. Yeah. Because you have to take in all of the other things that we're considering here that, you know, maybe someone who's just watching this is maybe not connecting all the dots. And like, that's why I like talking about it, because like it makes me think, like, oh, she's not just, you know, down in the dumps. It's just she's dealing with her identity and she's dealing with, yeah. you know, there's a lot of other layers on top of it, not just her and her son and her marriage. It's like who she is right. as a person. It's a lot. That's a lot. to. That's a lot. It's a lot to hang on somebody. And then, you know, she's also not given a platform every episode to air her grievances. She's just kind of, like you said, taking it in, processing and seeing what's going on. So there's there's a lot to her. There's a lot to her. And she's she is the way she is for a reason. And don't forget, like her brother's only dead like a couple of months. Like that's that's still and she had traumatic brain injury. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. Let's let's add that in. (laughs) I forgot about that. Right. And yeah. yeah, so her sister-in-law's dead. Her brother's dead. Her her nieces and nephews have been shipped away. Gone. Right. Yeah. Pawpaw's the only one left. Her grandmother's in a bad way, right? Yeah. Doesn't know who she is. <sighs> okay, that's enough. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, all right. Now that, I've, now that I've taken us like into the valley of death over here. All right. Can we, can we talk about something more fun? Like, I don't know. What's next? 
Well, this show is so like layered, like you said, like an onion. And it's, it's so easy to miss all of these little things unless you're actually taking notes like we are. Because right, I definitely breaking it down. Yeah, I definitely missed parts of this plot the first time I watched it. Sure, because you're also just looking for the explosions, right? Yeah, like I was just watching it on the couch with my husband, like probably playing on my phone at the same time. So same. now that I'm watching it to understand and take notes, it's like so much deeper than the first time I watched it. Like, right. oh my gosh, this is complicated. That's why we recommended you come and listen to the show right after. Exactly. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So now, now so, that now that we're in like the you know the, the pits of despair here, <laughs> right? So on top of all of this with Beth and Monica, we really have a lot going on with John and Rainwater and Jenkins and the Becks. I really liked how they set this up. Right. So Rainwater and Mo arrive, and they're like inhaling the air of the land right like it was it felt very like uh religious in a way like i was like and then the fact that beth was like what are you up to and or what is he first she says what is he doing and john says it's coveting from the bible Mm -hmm. i so i was like oh there's my religious connection but i just (laughs) i thought it was very funny it was like like john's attempted humor it just pays off so well because it's so unexpected and in that moment, like, she's there, she's trying to drink this smoothie, and, you know, she's like, what in the world are you up to? And, you know, he's making, he cracks a joke, which is mm. so, not the moment for it, which is what makes it so perfect. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So when Jenkins arrived, what was your take on his arrival and, and when he's talking to Beth? It was sincere, I thought. I wanted, I, to, I wanted to believe it was sincere. And then, like, Cynical Sheila came back in and was just like, what if he thinks that this could happen to him next? It's a warning for sure. But I felt like he was surprised they would do that to her and felt bad about it and was, you know, like, sad for her. I'm sincerely upset about it. Yeah, I had that. That was my initial take, too. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't being mm-hmm. um, like misreading something. I said that I wrote down that he was like looking genuinely concerned for the state yeah. that she was in. Yeah. He said, you know, was this like the first time he'd been to the ranch? Because he's like, I feel like I understand him and you more being here. Yeah, I would guess so. It seems as far as I can remember, that is the first time. But I like that she said she understands herself less, which I think is so true because anytime we, I mean, we've seen her at the ranch this whole two seasons but she is falling apart so right and you and i have talked about that at, at length is that you know she seems to be really coming apart at the seams when she's there yeah you know i just think back to like the trough on the anniversary of their mom and things like that and the screaming in the closet yeah. right so there's just there's just evidence that she's not who she's made herself to be when she's back home yeah, she's not as composed. And yes, thank you. That's the word hard. I was looking for. Yeah. She's not stoic. Oh, so with the meeting then, so Dan produces this recorder. Was he... <laughs> I, I don't know. This this was... This didn't sit well with me. It's like, you know, obviously you know why you're there. Like, you're, you're meeting up with each other to, you know, make a plan to deal with the Bex. Like, so Dan... What is the significance then of Dan recording this? He's finally making a smart move. (laughs) I think he very well should have brought a recorder to this meeting. Like, John has screwed him. Rainwater screwed him out of the land. I mean, yeah. Why wouldn't you 
at least try to protect yourself. All he has protecting himself is one special force agent who's not even there. So it's not, it's not been that effective. Who, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, Jenkins, yeah. Yeah. If he didn't bring a gun, he, at least he brought a tape recorder. I mean, <laughs> I would have done the same thing. Like he still thinks that this can be settled in a court of law, which I think is what I found funny. Right. But I mean, he's, he's got nothing between these two guys. They, they both could take him out in other ways or kill him or whatever. And he's got no protection. So as far as I see it, he's not wrong and at least trying to do something to protect himself. I, it didn't seem shady at all to me. It seemed <laughs> the least he could do to try to cover his ass. <laughs> I mean, think about who you're meeting with. Rainwater True. and John. Literally, like, the Yellowstone Wranglers had him, hang, like, hung from right. a tree, right? So he, exactly. So he definitely has reason to be uh, mistrustful. I definitely was laughing a little bit when, you know... <laughs> So Jenkins obviously He's like, You want me to say he's like, say it. I need you to say it. Yeah, I need you to say it. But like, you know, when they walk up and they're saying, you know, you know, Rainwater says, Well, something similar was done to me when obviously they're looking at Beth. And Dan's like, they pulled my liquor license. Yeah. It's like, wow, which one of these doesn't belong? Exactly. Right, Rainwater's casino dealer was killed right at the last episode. Yeah. I mean, uh Jenkins is the small fish in this pond for sure, but they're causing him pain. I wouldn't say it was the same amount of pain, but I think he's just worried that that was only the start. Exactly. Uh it's definitely seeing what happened with Beth. See, he's smart. He sent his family away. He did. Right. So like that's definitely what Casey should be doing now. It's like, you know, when you have something as vulnerable as a family because that's what you love the most, like that wouldn't you want to get them away? Right. But I I think they also think that the Yellowstone is a fortress. Yeah. You know, I get the feeling so that as long like, as she doesn't go to work, she's fine. <laughs> Just can't leave the ranch. Well, you know, if it had been 2020, they would have been, uh, you know, doing Zoom lessons and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were just a little too ahead of the curve. But I also don't think that th- this is a, a trusting union. No. At, well, you know, not. whatsoever. So this is like a means to an end. But like, you know, it, this is like when siblings fight. Like, we can kill each other ourselves. But like, you introduce someone else into the mix. We're going to take care of them as a unified front, and then we'll go back to squabbling between us, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, they're not reconciled. They're no. just trying to squash this other force. Right. I don't think that Jenkins has much to offer in this situation either in terms of helping the cause, but I think he's there just to protect himself and try to align himself with these guys to get rid of the backs. Like, he's, he's smart to do that, to try at least get an alliance with these guys. Right. And, you know, I think what Jenkins brings to the table too, is maybe some more financial resources. Um, Mm, I think that he's tapped out. I think so, but I think he could probably pretend like he still has leverage (laughs) with some of his like previous investors. But I just have a question for you. This is like my biggest problem with this entire episode. The plane, Mm -hmm. the fact that agent Steve, agent Steve Mm -hmm. Hendon, you know, tried and true. I am not buying for one second that they missed Malcolm Beck has three planes. Three. Yeah. Steve says he goes, yeah, they own three planes under uh, the Montana Gaming LLC. Steve says he looked it up under Jenkins and then John says look it up under Malcolm Beck. And he was able to find it under the Montana Gaming LLC yeah. cover. So like I am not buying for one second that they didn't do that as part of their their sweeping search of Montana. Right. For planes. Like why wouldn't they have done that previously? 
Agreed. So this is where I think Dan now plays a role because John bringing this information back to KC later, asking if, you know, if, if it's useful information to a soldier that Becks own their own plane. Mm-hmm. You know, Casey wants Dan's special forces guy involved so that this way now it can't be used against them. So right, right. so now everybody has like a horse in the race or a dog yeah. in the fight, however you want to say it. I really don't like dog in a fight because like no, I have a dog and I get very sensitive. But... but you don't have a horse in a race. No, I don't have a horse in a race. If I had a horse in a race, I would have as much money as like, you know, those uh, those horse racers for selling horses for $4 million. But yeah, so I mean, I just feel that you know, Casey's, you know, soldier brain is now working and, and he knows now how to leverage Dan correctly. Right. Is it wrong of me to be a little excited to see what happens with a plane and Casey? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I kind of want to see something. Casey has already plotted out in his brain because he said, you know, tell him the meetings in Jackson Hole. It's meet up. That for was the- fast, too. It, it was fast. Like, well, yeah. you know, this is what they pay him the big bucks for. I, I'm excited to see because, like, we haven't seen something blow up in a while. I want to see something yeah. blow up. But oh, I don't know if they're going to make it blow up. I think they're just going to make it crash. Either way. But I, I, I feel like they would want to induce the terror of, like, them falling out of the sky <laughs> and then maybe having it happen on the Dutton Ranch. But I also thought it was really ominous just to harken back to the um, conversation with Rainwater. He says, where you know, things disappear on the reservation. And I promise you this won't be this won't be found. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, it's like, so now they have, you know, a plot of land the size of Rhode Island and whatever size the reservation is to yeah. hide whatever activity that is going to come out of the sabotage of this plane. They would have to sabotage like all three planes in order to, Ooh, you know, because now like what happens? Because which they, one are they going to take? Right, are they going to take the, the A plane, the B plane or the C plane, you know? Good point. So I'm not sure. Interesting. But I'm excited to see. Yes. No, I, I'm I'm pretty stoked to be like, okay, what are they going to do to this plane? And how are they going to like get back at the Becks? Because <laughs> it's reaching the point where something explosive has to happen. I mean, yeah. we're also approaching the season finale. And you know that this is going to go out with a bang. Because it's Yellowstone. Well, because it's Yellowstone. And just, you know, I'm remembering how season one ended. And mm-hmm. <laughs> there was just like, wait, what? What? It's just lots of questions. But the Becks. So now when the it cuts over to them... Mm-hmm. And Malcolm is so mad. I'm like, you started this, friend. Like, don't be, don't be angry that they retaliated, right? You know, Teal's like, well, what are we gonna do next? And they have all the pictures out on the coffee table, and it's like the one he likes the most. And then like his feet rest on Tate's face. I'm well, like, the first time in the office, yeah. he says that again. He says that first time, the thing that he loves the most. And then it cuts to the ranch and it, oh. on Tate's face. And I was like, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. You cannot. That's exactly what I said. I'm like, like the one he loves the most. And then you dare cut to Tate. Is what I put in my notes. I know. You I know. You dare cut to Tate and his cute little horse. And then at the end with the coffee, yeah, he puts his foot on Tate's picture. I'm like, no, you cannot touch Tate. Seriously. But like, did they like underestimate the Duttons in thinking that they wouldn't retaliate? Like, I feel like, you know, Malcolm was really upset or perturbed or whatever that, you know, the the two goons that they sent out were, you know, hanging on his front porch. But you can't do something like that and not expect these people to retaliate. Right. You know, he may not know like what Casey's skills are. He may not know the detail. Like he thinks that Beth is the shark and maybe he thinks that that's all they've got. And now if he takes out the shark, then what do they have left? Yeah. I'm wondering if they're just like underestimating their, their ability to fight back. Well, it's like we said last episode, it's, you know, it seems 
that their mentality is sort of throwing this temper tantrum and expecting everyone to play their game. And it's, it's like, that's what they wanted. They just wanted everybody to cut them into this deal or stop building the casino. And then now when they don't, it's like they, maybe they didn't understand how vicious this was going to get with John. So I don't know. I was a little confused as to why he was so angry and like, like trashing his own office over hired hands. Like, was he that mad that Beth didn't die or was he that mad that the goons or whatever did die or, but it just was another temper tantrum. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Like throwing his shit around his office and breaking the TV. Like that's your own TV, dude. Like now you have to buy yourself a new one. Right. And now you got to get someone to hang it back up on that freaking wall. It's a pain in the ass. And then like your poor desk. If you're going to throw a tantrum, like break somebody else's TV. Yeah. And like, you know, your poor desk. What did your desk ever do to you? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they're just, they're overly dramatic, these two brothers. Yeah. Well, I feel like Malcolm is really Yeah, Malcolm. And yeah. Teal's just kind of like, okay, dude, yeah, whatever. Swamp for the ride. I'm the, he- I'm the henchman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I had the same questions. Like, did they were they mad that like Beth didn't die? Was that part of their plan? Like, her? I, I, I guess they figured like Beth was the only card holder in terms mm-hmm. of like the the financial power of the ranch. Not knowing that you know Jamie has his own particular set of skills, um, even though nobody seems to respect him, but yeah. uh, or, or at least only when they need him. <laughs> For, well, like we said last time, we didn't think we didn't get the impression that they the two guys were there to kill Beth. But it escalated to that point. It did escalate. And then, you know, maybe he's just that upset because now he has, like, bodies to deal with. And, like, Teal said, this isn't going to go away. Like, this is us. Now people are starting to notice. So maybe that's where the anger is coming from. Like, well, this has gotten out of hand. And now I have to deal with my actions versus them just getting the message and and running away. Yeah, like, I feel like this is one of those moments where the, um, you know, the, the plot hatching that they were doing, like, oh, we'll kill their cattle, we'll approach him, he'll join forces with us, and everything will be good. I don't think that they thought beyond, like, they didn't do a good chess game layout, right? They didn't, yeah. they didn't consider all the different moves. And now the fact that they have to, you know, you know, keep going up this, uh, this nasty pyramid that they're, I don't know if they're out of their comfort zone. I don't get the feeling that they are because they, they seem like a, like a pretty like gross, you know, couple of guys who, <laughs> who don't seem to be all that, you know, fussed about like taking on a, sher- you know, putting a sheriff on the take <laughs> or any remorse you know, for any of their actions, killing cattle, assaulting women. You know, there's, there's just, there's a lot of these guys that I, I, I laugh back at the character study that we did of them, like back when we yeah. first met them. I'm like, all of that stuff is really coming like through is that, you know, the fact that they have all like those stuffed animals, like, you know, the taxidermy stuff in their office yeah. and it's all these exotic things is just like showing me like what their ego is. And I feel like that they've, they're not used to being challenged. So this is why right. I feel like Malcolm is really so angry and like, like, I don't, like, why are you so angry, man? <laughs> But I feel like it's that. Like, I feel like, you know, they're used to getting people to do what they want to do. Like, you know, Sheriff Donnie, you owe us so much money. Okay, well, then you just start working for us and, right. you know, everything will be cool. And then, of course, he's going to go along with that because he's got to. Yeah. Normally, they can just tighten their grip a little bit and people fold. Fall in line, right? Yeah. This isn't happening with this. No. Uh, with these Dutton crew. Duttons. <laughs> <laughs> 
So our last piece of the puzzle in this episode is our sweet little Jimmy. Okay, so I guess he did get enough money from his bareback riding to pay Ray. Because he goes to the trailer house and pays the money. This guy's a total You can say ass he's, a him. he's a douche. He's a douche. I was trying to I'll, like... I'll say for you, he's a, dude, he's a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he wanted a uh, payback for what uh, Avery did with the bear spray. Yeah. That was nasty. I really, really felt bad for Jimmy in this moment because it's like... I know. So they, they take his belt buckle and it's just... I'm registering so much really grief on Jimmy's yeah, face because like... so sad. This is like the one thing in his 20, 21 years on this earth that he's naturally good at. And mm-hmm. the first time that somebody didn't call him like a fuck up or whatever. And sorry, now we get an explicit rating because of that. <laughs> I always have to do that. But <laughs> it's like the first time that he's he's earned something. Right. Yes. Even his grandfather got him the job at the Dutton Ranch. Um, yeah. So the fact that they took that and... You know, it was worth that much. They, they, they were saying, like, what, a grand, and, like, they're clear on what Avery did. I just felt so bad for Jimmy, and I'm just like, oh, God. I was like, now what is, like, my yeah. next question? Because, like, I feel like they've invested a lot in this storyline, right, between his grandfather yeah. getting beat up and, you know, him running into Ray and uh, Blake and and now this. Um, and then how he did it was with the, the rodeo riding. So... I, I'm just like, there's, there's going to have to be some big payoff now yeah, uh, to, to sort of like resolve this storyline. So, And I was proud of Jimmy and how he stood up to them or, or just didn't give in to their like taunting or whatever. And he's <laughs> kept a straight face. He had a good poker face. Yeah, but at the same time, it's just like he's so deflated. No. I know. That I'm just like, oh, oh, God. Just I have one final question just about Rip coming back to the bunkhouse. Mm-hmm. Was Lloyd not part of Operation Cleanup? He wasn't, right? It was it was Ryan yeah. and Jimmy. I know we talked about it last time, but I didn't remember seeing them there. The only reason I'm asking is because he is surprised to see Rip like fall into his bunk and he's limping and obviously in a tremendous amount of pain. But he knows something's up. So I he, he wasn't part of that, right? Yeah, I'm just like, I'm not sure, like, why Lloyd wasn't part of it. Were they just trying to limit the number of people who would be asking questions? I don't know. I just feel like Lloyd would be the most trustworthy, maybe. Because remember we were questioning why was Ryan there? Because he didn't have the brand. Yeah. But Jimmy was there, has the brand. So, I don't know. Maybe there's a reason for it. But it was just, it was like, why wouldn't Lloyd be part of it? And then I feel like... Lloyd not being part of it raises more questions. Especially when you bring up the point of the brand. Right. You would, yeah, any sort of situation like Beth was in and Rip, you would need only people who wore the brand. Um, but as an aside, I did notice that Rip has this really cute picture of Beth on the wall of his bunk. He does? Yes. Go back and look. It's so Aww. cute. It's, she looks like a cross between like an old timey pinup girl and like uh-uh. U- like Uma Thurman from the like the movie poster in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Would he really have a picture of Beth up in his bunk? Is it, it looked like Beth to me. Well, does, nobody knows about them, right? I don't think so. Or maybe they're just so afraid of him they just don't ask questions. <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah, that's probably more likely, right? Yes. <laughs> 
Definitely don't ask. Whew. Well, uh, for like for an episode that we were like, huh, not much happened. We're like, wow, this is a really long episode. I know. <laughs> a lot to unpack. Anxious to see what happens next time. We have two more episodes left. Two more episodes. And basically all of the players are getting into place. Right. Mm-hmm. So we've got the, the meeting in Jackson Hole with the Bex and uh, the Duttons. Was it, the meeting was going to be with the Bex, Duttons and Rainwater Jenkins or no? Uh, my impression when it was it's just John and, and the Bex. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So basically like the players are set up to be in play and mm-hmm. whatever, whatever Casey and uh, Jenkins is special forces guy. I think his name is Tori. I hope that's right whatever they end up doing to the plane, you know, so everyone's in a good spot right now to, to do what they need to do. Yeah. I'm excited for it. I know. See it's going to be good. See you back here soon, I guess. Yes. Very soon. Right. Uh, before we go, uh, just so we mentioned in the podcast, but we have a Spotify playlist for you to enjoy Yellowstone tunes from the show and also a curated list by Steph and myself of songs that are like it that we think you guys would like. That's over on Spotify. It's called Yellowstone Tunes by Pod Clubhouse. And if you could also head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get this podcast from to rate, review, and subscribe to us. So this way you get a notification anytime we get a new episode out to you. And if you could rate and review this podcast, five stars would be greatly appreciated. It's a fantastic way for others to find the show to get as much enjoyment out of it as you do. So thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.